Welcome to the Well Woman Show, where we use intersectional feminism, mindfulness, leadership, and strategy to support smart women to change the world without anxiety, insecurity, and burnout. I'm mad at myself for having been so self-conscious because I think I wasted a lot of energy worrying that people would dismiss my work or dismiss me as a reporter. And I just, I look back and I think, oh my gosh, you wasted so much time and energy feeling that way. On the show, we challenge the status quo and support you to unlearn harmful messages that keep you playing small. So you can activate your superpowers and live with joy, confidence, and ease. I'm your host, Giovanna Rossi. Hello, good morning, well women. This month on the show, I interview Laura Pascas, longtime environment reporter based in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Currently, she's the environment reporter for New Mexico PBS and produces the monthly series Our Land, New Mexico's environmental past, present, and future. Laura Pascas has tracked the issues of climate change at both the state and federal levels. She shares the frightening truth both in terms of what is happening in nature and what is not happening to counter the mounting crisis. Her book, At the Precipice, New Mexico's Changing Climates, was published in September 2020 by the University of New Mexico Press. On the show, we'll discuss the need for activism in journalism and finding success in a second career, the frightening truth about climate change, and what we can do to help shape the future of our climate. You can find notes from today's show at wellwomanlife.com slash 279 show. The Well Woman Show is thankful for support from the Well Woman Academy at wellwomanlife.com slash academy. Join us in the academy for community, mindfulness practices, and practical support to live your Well Woman life. Now to my interview with environment reporter, Laura Pascas. I'm speaking with Laura Pascas today. Welcome to the show. I thank you so much for having me. Laura, I want to just start by having you share with listeners, who are you in the world today? I guess that I am a reporter who writes a lot about environmental issues in New Mexico. I've been doing this for 20 years now, even though I tend to think of it as like my new career. I used to write a lot more than I do. Now I work for television. I work for New Mexico PBS covering environmental issues. Okay. And just before we get into your work, are there other identities that you want to share? Like, I know you're a mom. Is there anything else you want to share about who you are in the world? Yeah, I am a mom. I have a teenage daughter and I'm someone who really thrives in being outside as much as possible, even if that's just in my neighborhood. I think though, sometimes as a single mom and as a reporter, I've often kind of grappled with who I am publicly, because sometimes I've been like, well, I don't want people to just think of me as a mom or just think of me as this or that. And so I think my work identity and my who I really am have have kind of gotten mixed up. And I think I struggle with that a little bit. Yes, I know. I, I hear you. And I think a lot of professional women struggle with that, especially if we're also moms, just because of the kind of the stigma around motherhood and work and the expectations. And I actually just finished a presentation where I was talking about you know, we're expected to parent like we don't have a job and we're supposed to work like we don't have kids. And it's hard to do both. I totally agree with that. It is, it's so tricky and frustrating. 
Yeah. And so I feel like we're coming into a time now in society where it's more quote unquote acceptable to to have all of your identities, you know, sort of on display publicly. So so you're a journalist and a mom and and all the things and sort of easier to navigate. Are you finding that? I think that I see like journalists who are, you know, a generation or so younger than me, who seem to do a lot better job of juggling being moms and being reporters. Like when my daughter was little, like two and three and four years old, I would have to bring her along to interviews with me because I couldn't afford childcare. And so I felt so embarrassed. Like people were, you know, judging my parenting and also judging my work. And now when I look back, I see, I see that probably most people either didn't notice or didn't care. And I am mad at myself for having been so self-conscious because I think I wasted a lot of energy worrying that people would dismiss my work or dismiss me as a reporter. And I just, I look back and I think, oh my gosh, you wasted so much time and energy feeling that way. Yes, I know. Oh, I so hear you. I went through the same thing early on with, you know, doing presentations with my daughter strapped to my chest. Good. Well, I I wanted to pick up on something that you started with, which is that this is a new career for you. What what do you mean by that? And have you not always been an environmental reporter? Yeah. So when I graduated college, I came to New Mexico planning to just stay here for maybe a year. My background was in anthropology and I came out here to do contract archaeology. And I ended up falling in love with New Mexico and falling in love with fieldwork and working as an archaeologist and then a tribal consultant. But really, I when I look back, I only did that for, I think, six years, maybe seven years. And so journalism, maybe, maybe just as you get older, the years go by faster. But I I think of journalism as like my new career or something that I'm still just like learning and growing into. But maybe that's just the nature of of journalism where things can kind of always feel new and interesting and exciting. Yeah. And also, I think that we as professional women are also trained to always question our expertise. And do I know enough? Am I really, even though I've been doing this for 20 years, am I really an expert at this? Like questioning always, right? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So I want to ask you, and you're, you're the author of At the Precipice, New Mexico's Changing Climate, a book that was published last fall. As an author now and a journalist, do you think of yourself as an activist and a journalist? Or how how do you separate those two? I feel like when I first started working as a journalist in 2002, environmental reporting was still very much like both sidesism, and it, it was you know it still is a very white field and a, and a pretty male dominated field, but even more so back then. And really, sort of commonly reporting on the environment was like to take the example of climate change. A story would quote a scientist, you know, peer-reviewed scientific studies span the course of decades. 
would be given one say in the story and then countered with, you know, an industry spokesperson or somebody being paid to kind of confuse the issues. And and I felt like at that time, reporters were really doing a disservice to the public and acting like both sides of the issue were valid counterpoints to one another. So that like really bugged me right from the start of working in environmental journalism. And so I kind of came at things with the idea of I'm going to be fair in my reporting and accurate in my reporting, but I'm also going to be honest with the reader. And if I'm going to be, you know, going out of my way to quote somebody who's a paid industry spokesperson, I'm going to explain that industry's role in the issues. And so I've tried to always be really honest with audiences and be like, yes, I am in favor of the scientific process. I'm in favor of healthy communities. And so I've always tried to distinguish myself as a reporter who has opinions, but I'm going to be super honest and transparent with you about what those opinions are so that then you, the audience member, can decide how you feel. Okay, that's a great explanation because I think sometimes we we think journalists shouldn't have an opinion. And so how have you navigated that in your career? Has it been something that you've really had to stake, take a stand for or has it naturally sort of evolved? I've been lucky in my career. I've made choices where I've always worked for like nonprofit media. I started my career at High Country News and you know I worked at KUNM for a little while New Mexico political report, New Mexico in depth. Like I've always worked in the sort of nonprofit media world where you're not beholden to commercial advertising or nobody's ever trying to sway you one way or the other. Um, And so I also think just like over the years as I've, as I've like gained expertise in, in the issues that I cover, I'm comfortable now that the knowledge I have and that I try to share with audiences is accurate and I can be authoritative on these issues. And so I don't have to ask anyone's permission, I guess, to be really forthright and honest with audiences. Okay. And Laura, in your book, At the Precipice, New Mexico's Changing Climate, what is the main thing that you want listeners to take away? What is the big point that you just really want everyone to know? I think just that The climate is already changing. We're already seeing the impacts of climate change. And we can no longer accept that inaction is any kind of adequate course for us to be on. You know, we need to, as a state and as a society and as a species, cut our greenhouse gas emissions. And we also need to accept that we need to adapt to these changing conditions. And there's no going back from from climate change. The impacts are already here and we know what's going to happen. So we should be taking the best scientific information that we have and really making community and sort of societal-wide changes. Yes. And I think a lot of listeners and a lot of folk probably reading your book feel quite helpless because there are so many things that need to be done at a policy level and at a, you said, at a, at a societal level. What can individuals do? I think the 
most important thing that individuals can do is remember that we are not powerless in terms of forcing change. And, you know, here in New Mexico, for example, we have a citizen legislature and they really rely on the expertise of lobbyists and outside experts. And those include us. So whether it's a budget discussion or a bill, state legislators need to be hearing from New Mexicans on a regular basis that climate change and water planning and economic diversification, that these are all really important issues to us because these, you know, legislators, whether it's a 30-day session or a 60-day session, they have a lot to do and they're hearing from a lot of business interests and trade groups and they need to consistently hear from us all the time that climate change and water planning are issues that they they just can't, they can't turn away from. And so I think here in New Mexico, our challenges are pretty big, but we also like, we all know each other. We all can track down our legislators. We, you know, have a receptive federal delegation on these issues. And so it's, really up to us to keep that momentum going. Really good point. And I'm speaking with Laura Pascas, environmental journalist and author of At the Precipice, New Mexico's Changing Climate. And we were just talking about accessing legislators here in New Mexico. It's actually really quite easy to do compared to other states. Our legislators are really accessible. And so for those of you listening, I would encourage you to go to nmlegis.gov and find your legislator, contact them. Um, we'll put the, these links in the show notes at wellwomanlife.com slash radio. And we'll be right back. Whether you're just starting your journey or you've been on it for months or even years, the Well Woman Jumpstart is a great place to begin. You might want to know what's the outcome? How will I benefit from this? If you want to read the income, impact, or intimacy goals you have, you can jump right in with this awesome jumpstart. You'll learn what your unique superpower is, which is super important for everything else you'll be working on in your life. You'll learn proven tools to address your particular challenge. You'll get real clarity about your life and your big goals and challenges. And you'll get to talk to me, Giovanna, one-on-one, and I'll give you feedback and insight specifically on your goal or challenge. If you're ready to jump in, go to wellwomanlife.com slash jumpstart. We're back on the Well Woman Show with Laura Pascas, environmental reporter and author of At the Precipice, New Mexico's Changing Climate. And we're going into this segment called Superpowers for Success, where we get to know you a little better, Laura. And hopefully the audience can take away some of your lessons learned from your life. And the first question I have for you is, what does success in life mean for you? Oh my gosh, I think it just means, I mean, I know that this will seem like really trite, but I just, I just want to feel content. I I don't want to feel like I'm treading water or I I don't want to feel like I'm having to strive for something that I can't achieve. Like I really, I've become increasingly simple and maybe that's in part due to the pandemic, but I just, I, I just want to feel content with my family and loved ones. I know that's just really not a great answer, but that's... Uh, I think it's a, I think it's a great answer because actually to be content sounds very simple, but it, it takes work because, you know, you have to do things like simplify and uh, to be content means the absolute 
absence of, you know, anxiety and sleepless nights and <laughs> all these things that are quite challenging. So if if your definition of success is to be content, then that that is quite a goal in and of itself. And I love that. So when did you know, Laura, that you were really good at what you do? Honestly, I think it goes back to seventh grade and Mrs. McGowan. <laughs> I had this teacher who in seventh grade told me I was a good writer. And I feel like, I feel like that just really set the course for me that I had worked on a project that I was really excited about. That was about the Vietnam war. And I was like, just super excited to be doing this research and to, you know, put this report together for my class to help them understand, you know, what the Vietnam War was and what the United States had done and all of this stuff. And I was just, I was so proud when she, you know, explained to me that I was a good writer and that I was good at helping people understand complicated things. I think everything really goes back to that seventh grade teacher. And it has made me realize like those little things that we say to people, especially to kids really have an impact. Absolutely. I mean, that's just such a good example of this idea that every kid needs an adult that's not part of their family to really believe in them and spend time with them and and see them for who they are. We know actually from research that 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 helps with child outcomes, you know, with healthy child development is when we have that adult in our lives. So that's a great example. Laura, just on that point, I, I wonder if you have another example perhaps of a time when you didn't get that external validation you actually knew it just by yourself, like quietly in some place within yourself that like what you were doing, you were really good at it. Yeah. Thank you for asking that. Because I think when I was, when I decided that I wanted to become a journalist, I definitely did not have widespread support in my life for that decision. People close to me saw it as like an irresponsible career choice, an uncertain career choice. And I just, I didn't care what anybody was saying. And then again, when my daughter was two and her father and I got divorced, the idea that I would continue trying to be a journalist with a toddler, people, again, close to me acted as though I was making a really irresponsible decision that I was deliberately choosing a low paying career. It was really hard and frustrating that I didn't feel seen for what I felt was important work that I was good at. And so I think that I have stubbornly clung to journalism because I think it's important and because I think I'm good at it, even when it seemed clear that I should not continue doing it based on like finances or whatever. Yeah. And, and, but that moment, you know, and it's not just one moment, but that time where you had these pressures to, you know, to, to not pursue the thing that you loved and, and you did it anyway. Like, why, why were you able to just go for it and not be swayed? I think it was one part stubborn persistence 
But I really think like, I, I really think of journalism as a public service. And I think that, you know, people in New Mexico, readers, audience members can like or not like me or can agree with or disagree with my reporting. But I really feel like because I have been persistent and stubborn for 20 years, that people in New Mexico have a greater understanding of environmental issues and climate change and water challenges. And I think in some ways for me, journalism was like a calling. It was like bigger than me. It was was my way to give back to this place that I love so much in my community that I care so much about. So it was like, it was bigger than just, just me. If I left journalism because it was hard to make a living, I would be kind of letting down, feeling like I was letting people down. Yeah. And Laura, for, for listeners who may be like, wow, I want to maybe be a journalist, even though I already have a different career. What would you say to them? And, you know, how, like, beyond just like choosing a different career, which in and of itself has a lot of challenges, but specifically choosing to be a journalist after already having a different career, what are the special challenges there? And can you be a credible reporter? Obviously, you can because you've done it. But you know, for other people out there, like, how can you become a credible reporter after you've already had a different career? Yeah, I think that becoming or like striving to be an expert, or at least have a, an understanding of a particular field or topic is is really important you know whether whether your beat would be like housing or poverty or social justice or business or the environment I think it's good to be able to like write on a broad spectrum of topics but for me kind of really focusing in on one kind of field I think has been key to how I've been able to do this for so long and also stay excited about it for so long. Yeah. I think that that's that's a really important piece of it, but it's harder and harder to make a living as a journalist. And I really feel for, you know, younger people just coming out of college, like look at the jobs are few and far between, and they tend to pay very poorly with no job security. And so really it's almost like you have to it's just, it's a, it's a hard field. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And we only have a few minutes left. I want to get a few more questions in here. Can you describe Laura, a personal habit that contributes to your well-being? I think just getting outside. I mean, really, even if it's a walk around the neighborhood, being outside is, is everything for me. Okay. And what superpower did you discover you had only to realize it was there all the time? I think persistence is the main one. Just being unafraid to just keep going and also kind of repeating the same things over and over again sometimes as well. I've seen that in your work, actually. When you're interviewing someone, you have a gentle persistence that is just relentless sometimes where you just you get at the question even when it seems like it's going to be difficult so I love that I love that that's your superpower what advice would you give your younger self say your 25 or 30 year old self I would ask her to maybe be a bit more gentle with herself yep and would she have listened oh no not at all Okay. And do you identify as a feminist? I mean, I think that I would. I feel like the word has changed and morphed and the meaning is different, but like, I would say, yes, I'm a feminist. 
Yeah. And last question for you, Laura, what are you reading right now? What's on your nightstand? Oh my gosh. I'm, I just finished two different Joy Harjo books, her recent memoir, and then one of her collections of poetry. But I'm also reading Fruit of the Drunken Tree, which is mm-hmm. awesome. And a book written by a guy whose name I forget, but who lived in a little house on the beach in Cape Cod in like the 1920s. Oh, wow. Cool. We will add those to the show notes, wellwomanlife.com slash radio. You can find out what Laura's reading. And Laura, it's been such a pleasure having you on the show today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. That's it for our show today. Remember, if you need support to live your Well Woman Life, head over to wellwomanlife.com slash Facebook to join our community. As a reminder, we are on NPR every week. So be sure to tune in at npr.org slash podcasts and search for The Well Woman Show. If you enjoyed today's show, please take a moment and subscribe and leave a review. This helps raise visibility, which is super helpful when it comes to producing the show every week. For feedback, comments, or just to let me know you were listening, find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Well Woman Life. I'm Giovanna Rossi for The Well Woman Show. Until next time, have a super powerful week.